on this episode of AV Week, what technology came out of CDA 2016 that's going to have the biggest impact on the commercial market, how do manufacturers work well together, and why you need a mentor. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like Vadio. This is AV Week, episode 265, recorded Friday, September 23rd, 2016. The voices in your head. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us this week, Mr. John Green from Advanced AV. How are you, sir? Wonderful. Great day today. Beautiful. It's the first full day of fall. First full day of fall. It still feels yeah. like summer here in St. Louis. Yeah, so. yeah it's, we're hitting about 85, but yeah. uh, we're, we're getting ready for it. It's great. Yeah, eventually, eventually. Uh, also with us is Gina Sansevero from FSR. How are you, ma'am? I'm doing very well. I'm very happy to be home in New York today. Yay! Go Mets, sort of, kind of. Maybe. Depends on <laughs> if you fall baseball. Well, we're in Jets mode right now. And with this uh, fantasy football thing that I, I've joined, I've been kind of um, really rooting for my Jets because nobody told me that you're supposed to diversify your team. Ah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, the rookie mistake. Yes. Yeah. I'm a Bears fan, so put all Bears on it. Yes. <laughs> but my 11 is going to be awful. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned the Mets because if you are a baseball fan, at least in the National League, there is a three-way race um, for the wild card, one being the St. Louis Cardinals, the other one being the Mets. Um, yep. Depending on the day of the week, it's also either the Dodgers and or the Giants. So that's a whole story. All right. Enough about sports. We, should, we somebody has told me once that we need to do a sports show, but I just I don't believe it. Um, first and foremost, up uh, we've got a, yeah, three or four different uh, topics we're going to do here this week. First one though is Cedia, and two or three years ago, if you told me that I was going to go to Cedia, I would have said you're crazy, right? Uh, we were primarily a commercial AV podcast, commercial AV site. That's what we did. Uh, and we started getting into more and more uh, residential stories. A lot of our folks are re- in residential, so we started going to the show. Now we have a, a residential focus show, so we certainly go. But as I was wa- I, w- I went last week along, we had uh, our buddy Stephen Bronner and Todd Puma and Rich Fragosa and a number of other folks that were there that helped us out. I'm walking the show floor going, holy crap, a lot of this stuff is going to land into corporate boardrooms and into education and into a number of other things. Uh, the story we're using uh, is from High Def Digest. It, they list what they call the six, the top six highlights from CDA 2016. The first one I want to get to, and I'm going to ask both John and Gina f- you know, from from their standpoint, not having gone to the show, but but from seeing all the coverage, what they think is going to hit commercial. The first one I want to point out, though, is the Sony. It's called the Sony UBP Umbrella Brian Pickle 
X1000ES. I really need to learn that. Um, <laughs> it is the first actual, honest-to-goodness, Ultra HD Blu-ray player. You can play an actual Ultra HD Blu-ray um, physical media. So that's one of the things that I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to save the rest of them for, for after uh, my fine guest comment on this. Uh, but, John, we'll start with you from, from the coverage that you've seen. And, and it doesn't have to be on this list, but there's the stuff that you saw. What do you think is going to hit commercial for coming out of CD this year? It's funny. I was I was scheduled to go to CD, and some business obligations pulled me back. I was uh, I was planning on spending a full week there ourselves for the same purpose. I mean, uh, we know for a fact that a lot of the things that are coming out of the consumer world are going to basically hit the boardroom, just as you called it out. There's waves of that. I mean, there's times when it's when some of the consumer stuff comes running into the corporate space, and there's other times it's just almost not relevant. But it's getting to be those conversations are starting to happen. I didn't see on the list. Uh, what would really, but VUI, it's a new term, a new acronym. And I'm like, what is that? And it's basically voice user interfaces. That's what I guess I'm pulling it out. And then and it was one of the purposes of us to go out there is to see, can an echo control the things in the room that people want to control? So, Darn skippy it can. And yes, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the issue. And, and I just think it's going to be, accepted and requested um i don't have any any personal experience on it but i can tell you that the other thing that i saw coming out of cdo was home control i mean basically iphone control and and and, and the new app where i downloaded you know the new operation system for my iphone it's 10 and it's got this little app called home and it's going to be able to control all the devices and there's tons of devices from lights all the way through that are going to be you know controlled once that really is accepted and I think it's just going to be demanded more and more. And I think that what we think we need to control in the room from an end user standpoint is going to change dramatically. All right, Gina, from your standpoint, what uh, what did you see come out of CDA that you think may uh, maybe hitting either corporate or, or education? So um, from my standpoint, I just want to go back to that Blu-ray player really quickly. Um, you brought up a good point, and, and yeah, it's an amazing product, but what I've been seeing in education is a lot of um, digitized media that's housed elsewhere. And so I don't know if I see that being a huge player in the education market, which is my specialty. I, you know, I, I possibly for corporate, I don't know, um, but I just don't see it being a big player for, for the education market. I see, you know, John, did you want to say something? No, I, I agree. I think that it, not, not so much in corporate space. I don't think that the content is that pressing, but I think that we, we do a fair amount in healthcare. And I think that, again, is the content stored on that media, whether it's a CD or what otherwise, then you'll need to be able to display it. But it's, again, I'm not sure ultra high definition 4K, 8K, whatever you want to call it, has really been asked for, demanded, right, as of yet. Right, right. I'm seeing a lot of... Um a lot of schools storing their digitized content in the cloud, being able to push it into the classrooms on demand uh, from remote distance learning areas or from students, you know, in their in their dorms or in their houses. So um, hardware like Blu-ray players are not as prevalent or not being used in, in upgrade budgets as much as they were before. The other thing that I thought was interesting that was on that list was were these um, those headphones. They're really cool looking. <laughs> um, they're gorgeous headphones. 
So yesterday I was at an event and the event um, we were presenting about uh, collaboration spaces and somebody was talking about audio and they said, well, what are your recommendations for audio in these smaller group study rooms up to the audio in these active learning spaces, all of which encourage collaboration. And I said, you know, at, at this point, my son is very happy listening to his music with earbuds in his ears, using his iPod. Um, and the clarity is probably fine and he's probably thinking it's great. But I remember sitting in my father's mm. living room while my father wore a pair of headphones very mm. similar to those. Um, and he could hear every nuance and every squeak and every, every sound that those instruments made. And so I sat down um, with the guy following the collaboration presentation and I said, you have to sit down with your end user because they have to define what the expectation is with regard to audio and video in that space. I can sit here and I can say, I, I can point you to the integrators who will give you the highest um, level experience that you can possibly have. But when good enough is good enough, um, well, I, I agree. I agree with you, Gina. I mean, we just we just left a, a, a college that you're very familiar with that they're trying to put the entire room solution for audio visual into a five thousand dollar package. Um, so they're they are really they're the feedback that they're getting from the end users and a lot of at least in the educational market is good enough is the bar to hit. Uh, and but define and, and but they were taking on full responsibility to define what is good enough. And, and an example of that is, is it was a DVD player. They said that nobody was using it. So they literally ripped it out. So, and again, I think that there's, I think that on the idea of content or DVDs or things like that, I think it's more content, easier access to a greater amount of content is the way that people operate these days. Yeah. Absolutely. Now the, the one thing, and this is, and this is where I'll, I'll go out on a, not on a limb, but, but say I've, I've said this, I read it, I, I wrote a piece for CE pro. Uh, saying this exact same thing, John hit on it, and that is the voice. That is voice control. Um, I've had a, an Amazon Echo for about six months now, right? Okay. Um, good interface. It, it, it's intuitive to a point. Um, there are it's a certain thing called a skill, right? Where if you want to interface with your Nest or you want to interface with Spotify or something that's not Amazon specific, you have to say Alexa. Turn, you tell Nest to turn down to 70 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The fact that both Control 4 and Crestron have what's called native apps, a native skill, is huge. So I could, once if I had a Control 4 system or a Crestron system in, in my house, and again, or in, in the corporate boardroom, and it's connected, you could simply say, Alexa, turn on the lights in the kitchen. Right. That right there is absolutely huge. For the right. smart home, but this is where it goes back to once the the board members, once the CEO, once the CTO realizes that they can do this and gets used to it in their house, it goes back to the the the, the Apple uh, TV where they could wirelessly connect to you know from their iPad to their TV. They're going to walk into the boardroom and say, "Why can't I do this?" Yeah, I, I, again, I think that that's where, oddly enough, I think that's where systems integration companies could really yep. come into play. I mean, you're, as you said, the native conversation, 
you know, again, if you're going to tell Alexis, if it's not native to it, you know, turn on Nest or turn on Apple, turn on whatever it might be, it makes sense. But, you know, how we most likely use a conference room is start to tell a conference. And then we define behind that all the natural steps that have to occur for that. Yep. I mean, that's where the value of this whole thing is. Uh, I, I can't tell you how many, I, I, I go from, from my standpoint, I, I, we've had this conversation a dozen times on every podcast I've been on. I walk into my boardroom and go, what do I have to do to get this meeting started? Because I got to go through page turns because it's not that we've overcomplicated. We've overfeatured the, the, the capabilities. I don't need that stuff. No. I really just want to have a meeting start. Uh, and I think it's, that the end users are very willing to have those conversations now and say, listen, this is my workflow. I don't need to do that. <laughs> well, it goes back to, you know, and, and again, used to be a programmer, still kind of sort of do it on, you know, whatever. Graph, the, the user interface is absolutely huge. It is, it is critical to the success of any programming job and any control job. Because right. if it is not intuitive, if it is too complicated, right. it will not be used, and therefore it is a fail. Right. Right? Yeah. Yes. So you just change the title. Okay. And again, this is one of the things that we have to start doing. We, we've had this conversation, Tim. Change the name for that for that person that does that from programmer to user experience person. But they can, you know, they can be two different people, right? Yeah, they, they could can be. Totally but it, but, be but, different but, people. but it's still a function that has to And sometimes to should be, actually. Yes, I I, lo right. I love my programmer okay. friends, right? I I right. got goalie that works for you yep. guys, yep. Uh, Steve Green, Great guy. right? These Deeply are, talented, yeah, incredibly talented when it comes to the ones and zeros and, and talking, whether it's over IP or two thirty two. Mm -hmm. Some of my greatest programmer friends should not ever touch a graphical user <laughs> interface to save their life. I'm sorry, they don't like talking to people in general. Right? They just don't. They're wonderful introverts, and that's fine, right? I'm right. all with them when it comes to that. But and, and the, but then you know, the other, on the other spectrum of that, you have guys like Rich Fergoza, right? Rich has been doing this for, for 30, 40, you know, 40 mm -hmm. years, but, but, but 25, <laughs> 25, 30 years. I'm going to get in trouble. And, but has an artist has an artist heart, right? And gets it, right? And gets the interface. You need somebody. You need the people who, who design websites, to design your yeah. interfaces because the people who do des who design websites really well and get the back and forth and get the user interaction, those are the same types of folks you want designing your touch panels. I, I agree. I think they even uh, we've had this conversation about budgeting for next year, and and there are definitely positively little circles on those on those uh, roadmaps where it says graphic artist hired here. Yeah. I mean, we're still struggling with it. And, and but you go back I mean, to this original question, Cedia is is once again and is begin hopes wishes and dreams show you know what i mean and, yeah. and it's 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 nice to go to that and see that because there is an expectation from not just a consumer audience but from everyday audience as to what what how they're going to interface with technology uh you know nest doing a camera now and 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 all these people just doing cameras and and it and it's just remarkable itself it's a little complicated um but i mean it's 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 going to be a rush into our area for sure. Yeah, and real, real quickly, the, the last one of the last coolest things I saw uh, at CDA last last week was I saw Troy Aikman. So, all right, that's. <laughs> oh wow! They he uh, had nothing. He had nothing else to do. Is that well? So. That, it was it was like on the Thursday. It was the first day of the show. I, I mentioned it to Vin Bruno because they had a number of right. of cowboy classic, you know, great players sure. there. Right. And he's he's telling me they had Ed Two Tall Jones and this that and the other. I said, and you guys had Troy Aikman. He goes, no, no, we didn't. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, he it's just, his, he his just, own little thing. He just showed up and was just. Oh, uh, did he really? Yeah. yeah. So. He's, not, he's not reading the playbook. He wants to go design some uh, yeah, electronics. Hanging out with my buddy Joe Buck. That's what he's, <laughs> what he's doing. So, I'm not quite Be sure. Be respectful. Do what the Indianapolis Colts guy did. Uh, go, go on commercials. All right. Do commercials. Here we go. Next story. Uh, our good friends, and, and for full disclosure, Display Note happens to be a, a an underwriter of AV Nation, but still a cool story uh, from Innovate on the Net. Display Note adds Dell to their roster of OEM partners. They're working with Dell and, and basically they're not basically they're they're inserting the display note technology, uh, their software into uh, some of Dell's interactive projectors uh, starting to ship this year actually. Uh, this year and next. Um, John, first question actually for you from from an integration integrator standpoint. Why does having more than one partner like this cuz this is not the uh, not display notes first partner. They also have an agreement with Christie as well. Does it help when you're trying to sell a solution, having multiple places for for DisplayNote or anybody else to have that in in different types of technology or different types of partners? I, I would say it's probably going to be more commonplace than we could ever imagine, um, and I think it's it's definitely beneficial to both the manufacturer. Even if let's let's go from a Christie standpoint, you know. Were, you're losing a market share because of a feature, whatever that might be. It could be interactivity. It could be, you know, so you go find that, you find that resource. And as long as it's inserted into the food chain, you're good to go. It's more of a, you know, in some of these cases, it's just to offset the potential loss of business. And what I mean by that is, oh, you but you have smart software. No. Okay, well, I'm going to go find something that has, because it's the software that's driving the business. It's not the bright projector that's doing the, the selling. It's solution selling to a large degree. I'll give you another really, really big announcement this week uh, was uh, Cisco has inserted Utelogy software into their offering. Yeah. That's that's not a little deal. No. That's a that's a big deal. Um, and it is it's just good foresight and a good awareness that coming together like that to provide the correct solution for the application is the way to go. All right. Gina from from your stand, standpoint and from the manufacturer standpoint, walk me through partnering with another manufacturer right whether that's on a job because there's a lot of times that that fsr and, and another manufacturer will come in and basically help each other out to to get in the door of an education place or a, uh, get you know get john's business or you know when it comes to to making product how does that work i mean how how do manufacturers i guess the best way to ask this is how do manufacturers work well together um well Clearly, they work well together when they're non-competing manufacturers. Okay. Um, but that isn't always the case. So, for example, FSR created years ago uh, brackets for our floor boxes and our wall boxes that can be used to install Crestron DM transmitters, um, you know, scalers. And at that time, um, Crestron didn't have as sophisticated a drag and drop simple control as they do now. Um, while we partnered with with Crestron um, for their for their hardware side, they started really going into the world that the Flex is in, and that's a very simple, and, and the Flex real quickly. Uh, the Flex is FSR's drag and drop control system. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so there were there was no issues with that, but what we found was that when there when there's opportunity 
to support each other in the integration space, to help each other create systems that are more seamless, easier to get through for our integration partners, that's where the real opportunities are. So, so those brackets enabled our integrators to be able to put in a DM transmitter and a four inch floor box where they would not have been able to otherwise. So both FSR and Crestron saw that synergy there, um, you know, overlooking the potential for a really tiny little bit of overlap in the control space and uh, and move forward with that. And since then, you know, we've put, we've put partnerships together with SVSI, with AMX um, and with Cisco on some other bracketry. So, so I think when, when, the solution makes sense, makes our integration partners' lives easier, um, and allows for non-competing manufacturers to work towards that goal. That's when that that synergy makes sense. In this specific instance with DisplayNote, um, DisplayNote needed some sort of tangible hardware interface in order to right. use their software, and so that synergy was built on the need for that hardware because they are a software company and Dell wasn't getting into um, into that space. So, yeah, I also think that the other the other logical thing is, is that it's, it's either it makes up perfectly good sense because it's an underserved marketplace and where they literally have a client base that, you know, I mean, Dell's client base is completely different than Christie's diet, but they've already established and this is just an added feature to what they're already providing. So they could pick up immediate sales in a, in a, in a zero time period. Uh, and that's one of the things I think there's probably a good reason to do it. Well, and, and John, you make a good, you also made a good point, the fact that, that they're not going to get into it, right? They're not going to expand right. the R&D to develop this. They can just partner with DisplayNote and, and move on. Right, right. All right, uh, last last one here, guys, and I'll let you get out of here. Um, it, it comes from, from AV Network and um, avnetwork.com. It was one of their blogs, and it, it kind of caught me. I, I just thought it was kind of cool, right? Uh, it, it's called We All Need a Mentor. Uh, it's, a guy by the name, it's by a gentleman by the name of Jay Myers, and, and he writes in here, uh, quote, unquote, in the early days of my company, I got the chance to meet and visit uh, with a gentleman by the name of Wilson, who was the founder of Holiday Inn and a business legend. This gentleman gave him the encouragement, also sound advice when it comes to the company's startup days when he was developing his company. So I, I, what I want to do is, is ask, first of all, why you two think that we need mentors in the AV space, but also in our, in our business lives, and then get into you know, maybe who, who a couple of yours are. John, first of all, for you, why do we men need mentorship? Uh, I, I have to tell you that I think that just from a you can't listen to the voices in your head <laughs> that make you do d evil things. Mm -hmm. uh, you need you need an outside voice. You always do. Uh, you asked, and again, it's it's pretty funny. You la I'm laughing about this because one of my mentors is Corey Schaefer, who everybody in the industry knows. But I mean, I've known Corey now for I, I, I'm afraid to say probably seven years, maybe a little bit longer. And we literally had a conversation last night. And it, and and some of the mentoring is. You know, if faced with this obstacle, how would you go about it, getting a different opinion? Or it's, yeah, should I choke them or I shouldn't choke them? And then you can just have it out. Um, and, 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 and you can say things to an outside mentor if they do their job properly, where it's, it's you have emotion and you have your fears and your angers. And, 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 and that effect alone, getting it out, helps you think through it. 
but if you pick the right one, and it's really a formalized mentorship, which is really the way to go about it, is that you know you you have an objective of what you want to accomplish. You've identified that person and what the, you know what what how they're going to help you with that position. They'll tie you with other resources that they have had. Uh, it is absolutely a life lifting and growing experience. So I, I I don't think you should ever limit the fact that it should be in an industry. I just think that it's a, as a person. You know, we have a responsibility to be a mentor and also realize that we need mentorship. All right, Miss Gina, what's uh, why do we need mentors? Um, well, first of all, Jay, um, in that article, Jay seems to be talking about, I think, two kind of different types of people as mentors. One would be the business coach, right? One would be that business coach that knows about business, that can guide you on the business end, that can make connections for you with uh, HR companies, with um, legal help, with those types of business connections. And then on the other side, he was talking about a support similar to what John was saying, where, you know, should I choke him or should I not choke him? (laughs) So, you know, and- and Admit it, you've had to say that too. No, (laughs) no. That's kind of, you know, in that in that article, it kind of got me thinking, are we now grouping both business coaching and mentorship together? And I feel like the answer would be no. I feel like they're very um, separate entities. And I think that each one has its space. I feel like mentorship is more personal development. um, And I feel like business coaching is obviously professional development. They definitely overlap, but I think that you should then have two people you rely on for those two very different people you rely on for those two different aspects, business, coaching, and mentorship. Um, From my standpoint, Chuck Wilson is a mentor to me. I think that he is a phenomenal, he has a phenomenal brain. Um, He is always calm or calming. Um, And I can be a little bit feisty. Yes, I agree with you. So I think uh, we really balance each other out. I was talking to somebody yesterday at that event, and they were saying, I have to get my young guys to work harder, work faster, you know, and he's like, I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to train them the right way. I'm putting together a WordPress website with our, um, with, you know, little links to training and things like that, but they don't seem to be using it how do I fix that? And I said, well, why don't you ask them what they want and how they want to learn? Mm-hmm. Learn from them, right. you know, because that mentorship is a, is, should be a two-way mentorship. I'm going to recant a story with you about with Chuck Wilson, by the way. He was at the business leadership conference, and he asked a pressing question, and I started to do exactly as you just described it. I'm yelling and screaming, and I look at him. I said, obviously, you do not know how serious this are because you're not yelling back at me, right? And he just calmly went his Midwest style and said, you know, gave me a simple answer. I went, oh, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's nice to have that either mentorship and or uh you know coaching for sure no, right and see i i would say so i i have i have two direct what i would call two direct mentors one one is on this panel right now and that is mr green um the other one is is Thank brock you. mcginnis oh. um <laughs> we would i would list i would list brock immediately too well, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just a he's just a center of sanity oh I'm, I'm not, yes <laughs> well the center of sanity who, who who dresses like he does so um, but I, I, I'd always get a good wine selection after the mentoring. Too. Yes, absolutely. 
If only I could fit into those jackets. <laughs> um, so, but the other thing I would say is is to, and that's kind of personal and business. Understand that Aviation is a startup, right? Uh, we, we're bootstrapping uh, this, and and they help center me. They help. They've helped me in the last few years learn and develop as a, as a salesperson as we go out and talk to underwriters. Um, but the other part is is people who you don't know um and you learn from from reading right or, or from connecting with people remotely uh one of one of my business uh and, and personal development mentors i would i would say is a guy by the name of john maxwell who who writes some phenomenal leadership books right mm-hmm. never met the guy before in my life right never met him i probably never will but i would i would count that you know that sort of mentorship as well not to this the extent and not to the personal connection that that, that john has with Corey and Gina with with Chuck, but still, you know, that is another type and another level of mentorship. So. Yeah, I don't think, I think it would be foolish to go alone. Yeah, you know that that's that, that's that's a recommendation, and, and you don't have to make a major investment. In it. And and we've talked multiple times, like even in social media. I mean, I would imagine if you re, if you reached out through social media about to your mentor, that you would find a way to connect, and they would. And and the most amazing thing is, is the people that are really successful like that respond back yeah they they know the value of mentorship and they, they know the value and they and they get it yeah so all right i'm gonna let the, you guys go on that note very uh that very note miss gina sansevero thank you ma'am thank you for having me it's fun how do people find you or fsr um find me on twitter at gina sans and fsr at fsr underscore edu all right very good uh mr green sir thank you <laughs> Thank you, as always. Always entertaining. And how do people find you and or uh, Advanced AV? Right. Advanced AV website, www.advancedav.com. Yeah. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at jgreen6 with the word six spelled out. And just one of the things I want to throw out there. We have, uh, speaking of mentorship, we sponsored a TEDx talk. We're doing a TEDx talk in Harrisburg uh, that we've uh, had the privilege of working with one of their crews and setting up that conference. And that's actually on, on Sunday, October 2nd. Uh, oh, looking nice. forward to that. So if you could go, anybody can go to the TEDx Harrisburg and like that page. It'd be great. That's my anniversary, <laughs> so I probably won't go that day. So Sunday. Um, my name is Tim. Don't don't follow me, but go by the website, avianation.tv, avianation.tv. A uh, couple things uh, we actually have coming down the, the pipeline. Uh, d- Mr. Green mentioned the TEDx on the 2nd. Uh, we will, and I say we, as in as me and a handful of our uh, aviation cohorts, will be in New York City, um, dead center, Times Square, baby, uh, the 24th through the 27th of October. Our good friends over at Daily Do uh, have invited us once again to attend and hang out with them during New York Digital Signage Week. Uh, it's a cool event if you're into digital signage. If you're if you're getting into into that type of market, um, wouldn't hurt you at all if you're in that area to come hang out. Uh, digital Signage Federation has an event. Um, Adrian's group, Daily Do, has an event. Samsung has an event. Chris, there's a if you're in digital signage in any way, shape, or form, uh, you might want to check that out. If you can't make it though, we are redoing an entire probably one of the coolest shows we did last year. Um, it is live from Dactronics booth. We're going to do a, sh- a program. It's live from their offices in the middle of Times Square with this big, ginormous Revlon sh- uh, shot right behind us. Seriously, one of the neatest, um, from a visual standpoint, one of the neatest shows we did, but also from a content standpoint, one of the neatest shows that we did last year. And we're adding to that and doing actually, actually another one that week. 
at uh, at the Christie Experiential Center um, in, uh, in in New York as well. So we're doing that. Um, Frank uh, Pisano from Chief is going to join us for that. Adrian Cottrell from Daily Do is joining us. Some some folks from from uh, Clear Channel. Some folks from the uh, Times Square Alliance. I mean, all sorts of really cool folks. So, yeah, uh, I'd like to I'd like to throw in a seconding of that. Again, yeah. I, we weren't able to attend last year, but as uh, I can pleasantly recall the podcast surrounding that show that you did last year and it basically it reset you know our go-to market on some things it's it's very informative if you're a systems integrator that has anything to do with digital signage if you can't attend the show follow av nation that week honest to god tim it was really some good insight and changed the way we went to market well thank you sir thank you that's that was the whole the whole idea so yeah so yeah looking the, forward the, to it. The, the last week of of october will be in new york if you're around cool if you're not just just check out the website uh, also heading to AVEC, a uh, handful of us are heading, heading to AVEC, a handful of us are heading to CECI Summit, uh, so check that out as well. Last anybody thing. Going huh? to Doing what? Anybody going to Infocom Connections in New York? Yes. Yes, I'll, yes, Go ahead, I'll John. be there. <laughs> that is actually yeah, the same week as AVEC, yeah. so that's uh, it's a busy week. Yeah. And, and there's some small election that week, too. <laughs> So, you know. I just want to be in the bunker the day after. That's all I got to oh, say. Yeah. So if I can't be at the show that day, I'm going to be in the bunker the day after the election. All right. Um, <laughs> last thing, we're, we're revamping our newsletters. We've got two now, one for uh, general, and, and we're doing one also for uh, for marketing folks. So so check that out as well. All that stuff is exactly where I said, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Thank you.